Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Safe House Chicago. The Safe House invites you to experience Chicago's number one spy-themed bar and restaurant, located in the heart of River North. Your next late-night mission should include a stop at the Safe House, where you can sip on giant shareable cocktails, dance the night away to our live DJ, and exit through our top-secret laser maze. Named Chicago's most Instagrammable restaurant, don't miss out on the fun every Friday and Saturday night. For more information, visit safehousechicago.com. folks, Shelby's back here with another pick for a favorite episode. This time, I went with a newer one, July 2018's farewell to our dear friend and fellow storyteller Andrew Bentley. He and his partner Sasha recently moved to Atlanta, and we had to say goodbye to them with a bittersweet show. On a sentimental note, I will always associate Bentley with your stories. On the first night I ever went to the show back in 2011, he blew me away with this written noir monologue that was just stuffed with an impossible number of esoteric references, and he delivered the whole thing perfectly. He broke my brain that night and has continued to do so every year since. This episode has got a lot of goodness. The stories feature a splash of fiction to keep things fresh and also very funny. Some stories get very personal, some are deeply inspirational. Like, everyone here is good, you can't go wrong. But, between you and me, the real reason I picked this episode was because of the music. The first song is an absolute staple of my younger, angstier days, and it's the perfect antidote to a bad day. That night, I sat in the theater and sang along to every word, And I hope when you listen, you'll do the same. The last song was new to me that night, but the vocals by Sasha, they grabbed something in my heart and they gave it that kind of hug that's like too hard, but it's kind of great. Like you sort of need that squeeze. Sasha's full of heart and she delivered every ounce of it into that performance. And I listened to that song and her version on a regular basis. It was a joyous night of celebration and a friendship, really a family. That's what your stories is to me. Celebrating successes, being present with our failures, laughing and crying and telling stories, doing all of it together. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah. Oh my god. Hi everyone. Uh, I am Andrew Bentley. Uh, if uh, if anyone slipped in during intermission, uh, this is going to be an episode of the storytelling podcast, Your Stories. Um, it was not always a podcast. I think the the first few times the event was held were in a uh, like a shady abandoned storefront up on the the north side. Uh, but then the wonderful Eric Garneau got involved and uh, began curating it as a podcast and has really breathed life into it. Uh, and it has become uh, one of my favorite events over the years. For, for eight years, I have been telling stories and weird little essays when I run out of stories. Um, and Eric has blithely humored all of it. So, uh, uh, should I welcome Eric 
and Dwight to the, the stage for a little music? Or? Yeah, and Katie as well. Oh, Katie as well, fantastic, hooray! So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll sing my talking tonight. This is great, Andrew gets to do all the hard work that I usually put in. I do want to say, yeah, Andrew's been doing this show longer than me. Also, Chris Blake is going to join us for this song. Uh, the theme tonight is about time, um, which uh, sums up pretty much my feelings on heading out to Atlanta tomorrow. Um, I've been in Chicago for eight and a half years. Um, I was originally only supposed to be here for four, and at the beginning of the fourth, uh, I met a woman named Sasha Rarit. Changed my life, <laughs> uh, and I decided uh, it would be a very good idea to stick around since she was in a graduate program at University of Chicago uh, because she is an Egyptian archaeologist. She is very fantastic, um, and uh, I have no regrets. But she is all but dissertation at this point. Yeah. We, uh, we decided originally we were going to move to LA, um, but. Uh, LA is very expensive. I don't know if yeah. anyone has <laughs> Yeah, so uh, yeah, we will be moving to, for now, the LA of the South. Uh, <laughs> Atlanta. Um, fingers crossed, New Orleans was the LA of the South briefly, and then that kind of stopped happening. So hopefully Atlanta stays there. And they filmed Family Feud there. It's oh, never going sure. away. <laughs> so yeah, uh, about time. Um, I have chosen songs that are mostly related to that, uh, but really all of these songs have some sort of specific uh, you know, meaning to, to me. Uh, this is the first one here? Yeah. Okay, this first song. Um, <laughs> He's so, doing my whole job tonight. <laughs> uh, Chris Blake and I uh, went to college together where we started Rabbit Rabbit, and this song is one we would listen to in the car every day before we went to the gym to pump ourselves up. Um, I realize how that sounds. <laughs> and that's why he chose it for us. We're doing it every morning. But, um, this the, the gym, I don't... Yeah, I don't know, do you want to say anything about this, Chris? Oh, this song? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, a wonder, it's a wonderful song. I think Andrew... I was, I'd heard it before, but he was just like, no, this is a song. Actually sit here and listen to it. And then we went to the gym. And have been best friends since. <laughs> Without further ado. I mean, that was a perfect introduction. It rivaled the best of Dwight's. And sure. we're all going to the gym after this. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, give it up for Rabbit Rabbit, right? Yeah. Oh my god. See, that's a musician trick. You'd mention someone who was already good that way, when you play it. Like, oh, oh, and then Chicago! Chicago! Now we'll count it off. One, two, one, two, three, four. All right, start again. So that didn't quite work. I didn't hear you. One, two, three, four. Looking into the mirror To see a little bit clearer The rottenness and evil in me Fingertips of memories I can't forget the curves of your body And when I feel a bit naughty I run it up the flagpole and see Who salutes but no one ever does I'm not sick but I'm not well 
the hospital for nerves and then they had to commit me. You told them all I was crazy. They cut off my legs now. Machines. I want to pierce my tongue, it doesn't hurt, it feels fine. The trivial supply, I like to turn off time. Kill my mind, kill my mind. My Running underground with the moles digging holes. I hear the voices in my head. I swear to God, it sounds like they're snoring. But if you're bored, then you're boring. The agony and the further ado, I'd like to move on to our speakers. Um, our first speaker is someone who will be very familiar. Uh, they were up here playing guitar a moment ago. Uh, and if you were here for the Rabbit Rabbit show uh, before this show, uh, he is the other half of Rabbit Rabbit. Um, he is my friend from college. We moved up here together uh, and lived in a squalid two-bedroom apartment. Um, yeah. He, uh, yeah, um, he is the person, uh, when I'm on this stage, who I know I can trust more than anyone else. Um, and I'd like to welcome him to the stage now. Uh, he is the uh, comedian, singer, songwriter, musician, uh, Chris Blake. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> My name's Chris. Um, as Andrew said, uh, we moved here together. We've known each other through from college. Uh, and there have been many, many times where Andrew and I have been drunk together. Multiple times. Uh, whether it was in Grand Rapids and we're in the streets. And I said, should I go talk to Kurt Brownholer? He's like, no, you shouldn't. And I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, there's also the time when we were in Austin together and uh, I was very drunk at a party and we were both at this event and I was talking to somebody outside, turned, vomited, turned back and she goes, did you just vomit? I went, <laughs> that's all I said. There's also, uh, I assure you it's a great time, <laughs> uh, but there's another time where I decided, Andrew, I'm going to show you Black Crack and Rum. He goes, I know what that is. I said, well, let me see how it goes with root beer. It did not go well. Uh, the night ended with Andrew riding in a car with me with a plastic bag around my ears, much like a feed bag on a horse. <laughs> because he was just like, okay, you got to go. And then pushed me out of the cab, took it home. That's how it is. Um, oh, I pushed him out of the cab. Yeah, oh, I'm at home. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> Oh, I love it. No. Uh, but the thing I want to tell you tonight is the first time I ever drank is with Andrew. I was straight edge until uh, I was 26 years old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, about time, right? About time. So Andrew and I lived in a, a high-rise apartment on the 15th floor off of Irving and Lakeshore Drive. Uh, we had moved there recently. I didn't drink, and I remember our first St. Patrick's Day, Andrew got sick, so we spent the entire day watching 14 episodes of the show Lost. It was awesome. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. So time goes on. We're together. We're, we go to parties, and I, I can't tell you how it, feel, uh, how it felt. I was like, hey, man, do you drink? No. Are you religious? No. Are you recovering? No. Why not? I just don't. That's fucking stupid. That's not, that is not the common theme with everybody I've met or people in this room, but that's who the people I met first in Chicago. So, the, yes. So, I said one morning, it was a weekend, I said, Andrew, I think I want to drink. <laughs> and Andrew looks at me and he says, what are you doing next Friday? And I said, oh, I don't think anything. He goes, don't make plans. We go throughout our day. Friday rolls around. He comes home with bags and he goes, all right, let's go get dinner. So we go get dinner. We eat this huge Mexican uh, meal together. And we come home and we're sitting in our apartment and Andrew goes, okay, would you like a good experience or would you like the experience? <laughs> I chose good. And it was. What I did not know is that Andrew had meticulously prepared a night for us. What it was, he had seven different types of beer. Mind you, all seven different types, whether it's an IPA, this is a wheat ale, this is a cherry ale, whatever it was, he had it. He had it there. Then he also had a playlist that he had made for this evening. <laughs> One of the songs on there was Blackwater by the Dewey Brothers, because I don't know anything about that song, except for the end, which is, take me by the hand, yeah, take me by the hand. I didn't know the words either. So Andrew goes, don't worry, that'll be on there. So we had a playlist, and the two of us spent the evening splitting these seven beers. We would talk about what the beer was. We would talk about kind of what was in it, why it was, the taste of the way it was, and we played cribbage together. And we talked, <laughs> and we talked. And after each beer, Andrew said, I'm gonna take a picture of you. I said, this is great. So this is first beer, two, so on, until eventually, I think it was, I think it was beer seven, where I had my fingers up like this, in a, uh, I had my fingers up in a tank top, just screaming and smiling. <laughs> Wonderful. So, 
We continue the night, we finish these beers, we play cribbage, the playlist ends, and he goes, okay, this is a shot of Jack Daniels. You're gonna shoot it real fast. And I went, okay. We did that, we shot it, and I said, he goes, what do you think? I said, I liked it, let's do it again. I said, okay, we shoot it. He goes, what do you wanna do now? I said, let's go to the bar and I'm gonna bring my sunglasses. So Andrew, Andrew, God love him. We ride on this bus together with sunglasses on and Andrew is right next to me wearing sunglasses too. We get to this bar and he's just like, here we are and I am just over the moon. Did you know how great drinking is? It's so fun! Hey, why are you leaving? Don't please come back! A lot of that. So, that is now something that, it's normal and it's, it's fair and it's something I do and I don't have, I don't have that story of, oh, the first time I ever got drunk was this. I certainly have bad times and I have good times when I was drunk, but that is always the first time and there's nobody who I should have spent that with. That was very, very special to me and I think about that a lot and truly, if it wasn't for that planned and thought and care that goes into that, it probably, I probably would hate drinking or I probably wouldn't still understand it. Sorry. <laughs> so, Andrew, thank you very much. And uh, if you don't mind, a friend of mine told me, this is Jack Daniels, you shoot it real quick. <laughs> all day I have eaten nothing I'm gonna uke all over your face Please do. Uh, real quick Chris uh, before you go one last thing here uh, so while I was cleaning out my my apartment uh, and packing I turned up a lot of shit I didn't know I had so I figured I would turn it into party favors for the speakers so uh, Chris if you would please uh, choose a number between one and nine Oh, I choose, uh, eight. Eight. Oh, man, okay. <laughs> it's very appropriate. Uh, Chris, number eight. This is a very small bag. Number eight is this flag. <laughs> Uh, for our second speaker um, is uh, someone, a, a, a peer who it took me a, a while to meet um, in the, the city. I think I, the first time I met her was as a makeup artist. Um, and I assumed initially that that was what she was. She was a, a makeup person. Um, she had seen Rabbit Rabbit before. She really enjoyed it. So I was like, oh, of course I like this person. Um, <laughs> and then I didn't see her again, maybe, maybe incidentally, but I didn't really spend any time with her again for a little while uh, until I was working on a web series and we had a complex makeup job. And I was like, oh, I know someone who does makeup. Um, <laughs> And I called her up and we said we'd pay for all the, the materials if she would do it. And she gamely agreed, even though as it turns out this person is not a makeup person by trade. Um, she's actually a very, very good and accomplished now author. Um, 
So she is someone uh, who um, provides the, the vital service of kicking my ass every now and again when I need it, um, and the maybe even more vital service of if that knocks me down, of picking me back up again. Um, so please welcome to the stage uh, one of the authors of My Lady's Choosing, uh, How Ill Is Your Repute, Taylor Swift Girl Detective, and others, uh, Larissa Zagaris. my goodness. Um, I love Andrew Bentley, and I'm mad that you're moving, <laughs> um, but I'm excited for you. And he told the cute version of how I met him. When I saw Rabbit Rabbit for the first time, I went, and who are they? Um, and I stalked them out and didn't know them and had mutual friends in common and then ended up doing his makeup and was like, yes, he's in my chair. <laughs> and then I stroked the ego enough to gain friendship and it worked out. And I'm really glad I did. And I'm glad you told that story about us because I was like, should I like write like a touching story about how I know Andrew and should I write a story about like how much I cherish him and Sasha and like about the nature of time and friendship and how it took years to become friends and now like you move apart but you're still gonna be friends and I didn't. Instead, I wrote a story about vibrators. Yeah. So, uh, the year was 2002 and I was a freshman in college in New York City. It was a special and strange time to be in New York then Sex in the City was on TV and on the streets. There were Magnolia cupcakes in every hand and an L train every 15 minutes. People sort of grudgingly liked Rudy Giuliani then uh, because the city was enjoying a hard-won, shivery unity after a year of heartache and rebuilding. The city wanted to help its own. Uh, but I tell you this for context, this doesn't have to do with the vibrators. So. My friend Noor and I, this is our freshman year, bonded over being hard workers, fast talkers, and completely overwhelmed and intrigued with the wonder of New York City. Part of the allure and danger of New York is that everything feels possible there because everything is possible there. Even as it would turn out, Noor and I discovering what vibrators were. <laughs> this may amuse some of you, but uh, trust me, like some of us don't know these delights are hiding in plain sight until we are taught by the initiated. I didn't know what a hair straightener was until I was 16, and I didn't know what a vibrator was until I was 18. I was a late bloomer. Uh, sexuality wasn't really discussed in my family, and in Noor's very religious upbringing, vibrators would likely have been a marker of great sin. Though we were both little horn dogs, we were ill-equipped horn dogs at the time. <laughs> so back to 2002. Noor and I were complaining to our girlfriends that there was no one worth dating or not creepy enough to hook up with in New York City. Um, and I quote, all of New York City. This was the early aughts in New York City. We did a lot of dancing in clubs, and New York City clubs are exactly as massive and sketchy as they are on TV. You don't need a boyfriend or a date, dumbasses. Our friend Jackie, who was like that, laughed at us. You need a vibrator. I paused the LimeWire player, killing the rapture. <laughs> Nora and I looked at each other, stunned. Jackie was on the mousier side, disdainful of dance clubs and any talk of sexual activity, and here she was schooling us on the existence of sex toys while she casually aced her take-home org chem quizzes? What's a vibrator? We asked her. You can rub them on yourself or put them inside and you orgasm, she said, <laughs> irritated with us and distracted from her work. Nora and I looked at her in awe, looked at each other with determination, and proceeded to Google on a desktop computer the closest vibrator store. 
<laughs> Our Valhalla happened to be Toys in Bayland in Soho. They closed at 7 p.m. We checked the clock, 6.45. We were in the village a good 20-minute walk from the store. Nora's eyes flashed. We could make it, she said, if we run, I answered. <laughs> we ran. I do think we all are granted these windows of innocence and joy in our lives, times when we feel safe, when we feel free from expectation or conflict. I believe in these moments we are perfectly relaxed, perfectly present, perfectly guilt and sunlight or moonlight or love light and the feeling of being one with and appreciative of the world, breathing and beating around you. For some lucky ducks, this innocence colors all of their childhood maybe even their adulthood. For others, it comes in flashes, a precious brief gift. When you get older, it feels like the window slams shut all too soon, just as you catch a breeze. But when you're 18 and have just discovered vibrators exist, the window is open wide and the winds of innocence are blowing strong, knocking over your director's series, Michelle Gondry, Aphex Twins, Spike Jones music video DVDs off the shelf. <laughs> Tearing your strokes posters from the walls. Nora and I ran through the magic hour of late September dusk, out through our dormitory door, past cinnamon sweet carts of roasted nuts and the nose-prickling hyperheat of dosa bikes, dirty water dogs lining Washington Square Park. We huffed and puffed down Broadway, sprinting past the college buildings and Shakespeare and Company and Ricky's New York City and cheap dance club clothing stores until the streets got slightly tonier and the shops turned into those designer studios you need to set an appointment with to drop a future, drop a fortune on a white sheath dress. We cut over to Prince Street and inspired laughter and passersby. What a New York sight we were then. Two young girls more beautiful than they would ever be again. Me with my Rosemary's Baby short blue hair, pale skin, sharp face, long limbs, dressed in my uniform of the time of sparkling thrift store finds. Uh, glitter skirts streaming out behind me in rainbow stripes. A red and white baseball shirt serving, serving as my chest armor. Nor glowed like serendipity frozen hot chocolate. And a lipstick pink and milk bar cookie chocolate brown Club Monaco sweater. Khaki mini skirt, gray suede kitten heels. Her long black hair flew out from behind her in soft, impossible waves, catching the sun and throwing it back into the sky. Our laughter dancing up and over the almost night of the city. This was the vision that turned the bend as we finally rounded Mercer Street, only to see a close-cropped woman in plaid and cargo shorts mid-pull on the security gate to the shop. We're closed, the shopkeeper said, not looking at us. I checked my watch. People wore watches in 2002. The time, 7.58, or 6.58 p.m. Our faces were stricken. Can you not be closed? Nor asked, <laughs> half out of breath from the run. We need vibrators. I managed to gasp. <laughs> I wasn't a runner then either. Still, I'm not a runner. Um, you need vibrators? The shopkeeper looked from me to Nor to me again. Yes, I gasped. We actually just found out they existed. <laughs> Nor added. The shopkeeper took a long look at us. We stood, panting, beautiful, thrilled with the very aspect of being alive and maybe getting vibrators within the next two minutes. A look of deep delight and knowledge dawned on the shopkeeper's face. You need vibrators, <laughs> she said meaningfully, and she lifted the gate. Well, thank you. Thank you so 
so much. We chimed and cheered and hopped and jumped for literal joy. The shopkeeper ushered us into the gorgeously appointed store, flicked on the lights, and proceeded to educate us on vibrators. Glittery vibra vibrators, G-spot vibrators, polyurethane vibrators, double-sided dildos, which are not technically vibrators, and finally, the real expensive silicone vibrators. Those are the nicest ones, FYI. <laughs> Each and every vibrator was lovingly described and aesthetically displayed as if we were being presented with options of swords for a meaningful battle or geared up for a specifically sexy mission by an overexcited cube. This, this model is very quiet, so you won't bother your roommates if you're quiet. This one you can use in the shower. This one's remote control. This one, et cetera, et cetera. Each model was more tantalizing and different than the last. In fact, the only thing any of these rainbow of options had in common was that they were built for two. Um, do you have any that are like separate? Nor asked and poked at the cords that connected two of the red hot chili pepper model. Yeah, these are for each of us, not like both of us at the same time, I added. The shopkeeper took another long look at both of us and a dark look of recognition crossed her face for a moment. You're straight, she said. Yeah, Nora chirped. <laughs> Do you have any like this that are hot pink? She picked up one that was shaped like a mermaid. I caught the shopkeeper's eyes, slowly dawning on me that it quickly dawned on her that we were not a lovely, cute young couple she was saving the night for. Oh, was all I could say. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry, she said, quickly and quietly, and graciously helped us make our final choices before we skipped off a little more less innocent into the night. I couldn't help feeling like we had opened and slammed a window of innocence down on her fingers for a moment there, and it took me years to realize the full grace of her composure on the night she thought she was being a different sort of hero. And this took years, but the experience has made me more aware of the effect my joy unchecked may have on others. It has made me try to attempt to be educational or gracious and helpful to innocent dum-dums who have disappointed me. And I really try not to shop or dine close to clothes anymore. I did think of the look on the shopkeeper's face briefly when months later I woke up to my mom holding the vibrator I had brought that night with a look of confusion on her face in front of my face. I had fallen asleep before putting it to work, so to speak, and had left it out on my night table. I had chosen a glittery purple monstrosity, something so definitely a vibrator that no lie or tale could spin the story otherwise. I looked at my mom, she looked at me, and we both bust up laughing. I may have taught her they existed as well. Thank you. Larissa, would you please uh, choose oh, a number a one through eight? Is there a vibrator in the bag? There is not a vibrator in the bag. Seven? Did you already pick seven? Nope. Oh, man. Okay. This is all along the bottom here. I may have to give you the majority of them later. Uh, but uh, you know what? I'll, I'll fish them out later. Uh, but you have won uh, all of the, the weird stickers for various brands of marijuana that uh, I, I got at dispensaries in Colorado and uh, L.A. <laughs> uh, you're very welcome. Uh, <laughs> Uh, our third speaker, um, 
Okay, so I'm I'm not a big uh, believer in in you know in in predestination or uh, you know divine mandates or anything, uh, but I do believe that every time you get ready to to leave somewhere, that fate inevitably throws a a really bunch of cool people um, right in your way that you should have met way earlier uh, and hung out with way earlier. Uh, and this next speaker is one such person. Um, the thank you, thanks to uh, Logan Dean and a, a game he is running of D and D, uh, which I play. Actually, I GM a lot of, and very rarely get to play. Um, I got to to meet and spend uh, a few months with her um, when we had been playing games for a couple months or so. Uh, she said to me, Andrew, every time uh, I pay you a compliment, you act like I'm stabbing you. And, <laughs> It was then that I realized she really got me uh, in the essence of who I am. Um, but uh, I am very pleased to have one last opportunity uh, before I leave uh, to hang out with her tonight. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jen Ducharme. <laughs> because I'm just Manafort. Um, Andrew and I go way back. Our parents went to college together. That's fucking true. <laughs> Not a lie. Um, nevertheless, I want to thank him for inviting me tonight because I am on a public service announcement tour across our great nation right now and confronting one of the worst problems in our society today. This is very vulnerable for me to admit, but as a Manafort, I come from a family of suckers. <laughs> My father's a very uh, dignified, very successful man. Um, he has been a sucker, though, all of his life. And he just sucks. And it's just been a point of embarrassment for a while, even though he's never let it define his dignity when he was working for our great president, Gerald Ford, <laughs> or our great president, Richard Nixon, or our great president, Donald Trump. <laughs> well, okay then. <laughs> um, but, he uses plastic straws. <laughs> but so have I. And I'm here to fess up that I will unleash my sins upon everyone tonight. <laughs> I am here to bear witness to say I will not use a plastic straw ever again, and I hope you are all with me on that. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's hard to admit when you've done something wrong. It's so hard to admit when you're so accomplished such as I. I am a filmmaker supreme. <laughs> Martin Scorsese wrote a lovely letter of recommendation for me for the Tisch School of Arts. 
in New York University for their film school, and I have to say, I've really lived up to those standards. <laughs> you may know me from my work. I produced a lovely movie called Remember the Days, and it's dazed and confused, but set in 1999. <laughs> it had uh, the great Brie Larson and Leighton Easter in it. No, they really were in it. <laughs> Check my IMDP Pro page, okay? I've also done um, many, as in three, shorts uh, over the last 15 years with uh, wonderful people like Samuel L. Jackson. And sometimes people ask me, Jess, how did you get him? And I like to say, I pay my artists because I believe artists should be paid for. Like things that you want to acquire in life. You have to earn it through all the blood that you can muster out of other people. That's just a saying we have in our family. But I am here tonight to be vulnerable not to list off my IMDb bro page. You can just check that out online if you want. And I just want all of us to make a commitment tonight that we will no longer use plastic straws. Are you with me? I heard half of the house. Are you with me? I would also like to take this opportunity to say um, I am currently broke. <laughs> My uh, savings are currently uh, blocked by some terrible people. I don't understand why. I did nothing wrong. Um, I just, you know, earned my money and used it accordingly for my art for the world. And uh, I'm ashamed to say that I need contacts. <laughs> I haven't been able to afford them. I haven't been able to afford my Airbnb bills and my vegan treats. So, I believe I'm talking to a crowd who I can really relate to and understands where I'm at in my life. So if you could just Venmo me at Rich Tits. I'm having a lot of difficulty living under a quarter of a million a week. So, I'm sure you understand. We're mostly white here, so. <laughs> I know I'm talking to the right crowd here. So if you can kindly find it in the bottom of your hearts, please, uh, feel free to Venmo me at uh, Rich Tits. Um, I think we can beat the Hamptons. Are you with me? I think we can make a killing. I can make more money here than in the Hamptons. Okay. Well. Thank you so much, and please keep promoting real art. And thank you, Andrew, for remembering me. How about next time? Okay, thank you very much. All right, uh, Jess, if you would like to choose a number one through seven. Can I sell it? At, that very much depends on what comes out of this bag. Okay. Okay. Um, Two. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> this is an undershirt that uh, Chris Blake and I used for a wrestling-themed tug-of-war uh, show. Uh, 
wherein we played heels and uh, and wore these lovely Punisher, but with rabbit ears. <laughs> Please treasure it always. <laughs> Clarification: um, uh, Paul Manafort was not my parents' roommate. Uh, Kathleen Manafort, his wife, uh, was my mom's roommate uh, after college. And as I just found out this last week, the matron of honor at her wedding, uh, where, 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 where I dug up some very lovely photos of Paul Manafort and Roger Stone uh, sitting in the background at my wedding, plotting the downfall of Western civilization. Uh, yeah. So, uh, our next speaker, uh, um, our next speaker is someone whom I, I met uh, in a, I think what was a, a desperate moment for both of us, uh, where we had signed on for a temp job at Kaplan University, uh, and what's more, accepted a permanent job at Kaplan University. Um, both of us were very broke, very, very broke. Um, uh, and so in between when we were moving from temps and going into training, uh, we were not being paid and neither of us had any money. So we, we spent our days off just taking long walks around the city. Um, we would walk through the zoo over and over again. Um, we went to DePaul College thinking uh, we could like sneakily sit in on a class and steal some education. Uh, and as it turns out, DePaul has much smaller class sizes than either of us went to school with. It was very obvious we did not belong and we got out of there right away. Um, uh, but in the we started training, I think I had marginally more funds saved up, so I remember I would bring uh, extra extra apples in my, my lunch to give to him uh, so he had something to eat during lunch and then uh, that came due. Somehow I was even more broke three, four years later after I quit Kaplan um, and for a brief time I moved in with him um, and had no money and I am I am fairly certain I may have missed my share of rent at some point in there um, and he has never once mentioned it, uh, because he, I think, is someone who has uh, always understood um, our, our common experience. He is someone um, I cannot do podcasts with because our voices sound too similar. <laughs> um, and someone who, although we don't look very much alike at all, people would just randomly assume we were brothers when we went places. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, the personal trainer, podcaster, and for my money, one of the, the low-key funniest people in Chicago, Nathan Spring. Hello, I'm Andrew Bentley. Um, Webster's Dictionary defines... That's nothing. I'm going to ramble at you now, and I hope that you will be patient, because there is eventually a point. Um, one time in the sixth grade, uh, I went to a Montessori school. It was very small, um, and Montessori is just another word for super weird. Um, but good. It's a good education. Uh, it places a lot of emphasis on um, self-directed learning. So 
you pick what to learn a lot, you get a lot of responsibility. The teachers will um, let students do things like lead meetings. Uh, weekly meetings, that would be talking about upcoming events in the school, if it was a holiday or anything, or um, at that point, because sixth grade, you're, I was only about 10, um, show and tell still. And I had just been to the Ren Fair, <laughs> because, hi. Uh, and I had brought in a sword to school, right? It was a different time. Uh, so I brought in a sword. I was just so excited to show it off. It had a gargoyle face on it. It had a gem in the pommel. Uh, it, was, it was a sword. It was awesome. Uh, and so someone else, another student, was leading the meeting. And she said, uh, she was introducing my topic. And she said, Nathan Spring, sward. <laughs> I said, it's pronounced sword. And a portal to the void opened up and sucked all of the air out of the room as everyone just stared at me. Like I had, I don't know, like I had committed some unspeakable crime. And I realized that I had gone too far in my correction, that my, my tone may have been uh, a little too intense. <laughs> to correct someone on the pronunciation of sword. Uh, and sh she looked, she was, she had a hard time. It was bad. It was, it was a very bad experience. Uh, and it has stuck with me um, basically all my life as like, oh wow, you can't, you can't talk to people that way. That was a very formative experience for me. It, it has affected me um, it, in a lot of ways that are, that are hard to enumerate. Uh, another time in the sixth grade, I... Um, Oh, jeez. Sixth grade. <laughs> well, surely I can remember, you know, college. I, I did things in college, right? Oh, no. No. Uh, one time, Andrew Bentley and I sat on a bench. <laughs> oh, boy, there are not a lot of memories in here, huh? Oh, God, jeez. Uh, well, before you start to think that I have a really terrible memory and I, I don't remember anything from my life, uh, in sixth grade, I was also playing Final Fantasy VII a lot. Uh, yeah! Thank you, I made it. Um, and I remember every plot point and story beat and character name and boss encounter and essentially could take you through the entire story of that four disc game right now. I don't remember my 13th birthday. <laughs> I don't remember, for that matter, my 14th or my 15th. I don't remember a lot of things. Um, and the truth is, neither do you. Most of your life, you forget. Uh, and one of the things that I like to say, I hope that I coined it, but probably someone has said it before, is that uh, you remember the lesson and you forget how you learned it. So we learn things like, at some point, you had to learn what shame was. You had to learn what being ashamed was, that word, and also that feeling. Um, you probably don't remember it, but it's in there. You learned it. And there are a lot of lessons like that. Your sense of humor. I could say that my sense of humor comes from a weird cocktail of Jim Carrey and Frasier. 
which to be fair is pretty accurate. Um, but is also just an educated guess. I think that that's where my sense of humor comes from. I know it comes from my parents too, but I don't actually remember. And most of life is like that. Most of life is either completely gone, and you've just forgotten it because it didn't matter, or it's back there and you need to be primed. You can be reminded of things. You can have uh, sense memories like smell. Um, you can be reminded by people saying things, bringing them up. My point is, you could ask me why I love Andrew and Sasha and I could make an educated guess. But the truth is, I've probably forgotten. <laughs> like we all have. Everyone you love in your life, you can probably point to a couple of really specific memories that stand out, but think of all the thousand, hundred of other memories that went into building a relationship with that person that are just gone now. And all you have are the lessons that you learned. And it doesn't really matter. You trust yourself. I trust my gut. And my gut says, Andrew Bentley is one of my favorite people in the world. And I love Sasha Raritz so much. It doesn't really matter if you remember everything, because it's there. You remember enough. Thank you. All right, Nathan, please choose number one through six. Uh, number one. Number one. Ooh. Nathan Spring, uh, you win this this bespoke bespoke shirt. Younger and Svelter, Andrew and Chris, uh, it says, skit coming. <laughs> because I had a big problem with the word skit. Uh, <laughs> I believe it was made by Kyle Talley, yeah. uh, Andrew yeah. Melzer, and Drew Creel. Uh, and it is now past a poem Yes, it's you. perfect. Thank you. Ah, okay. I am now suitably pumped up to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, show's over. All right. No. Uh, the second song tonight um, is one I, I chose. Uh, it is kind of related to About Time, because uh, it's, it's a song about uh, looking back and realizing that maybe you could have spent your time better than maybe you were <laughs> focusing on the wrong things, uh, which I think is a... Uh, important part of the, the moving on process. Um, I believe we're going to be joined by yes. fiance, Sasha Ray. Yeah. 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 I'll turn the stage back over. Yeah, I, I do want to say, I wish we had more of a tribute together for Sasha because we've been performing with her for I mean I don't know about half a year and it's been super fucking awesome Sasha is so talented I'm definitely gonna miss you being up here with us yeah. uh, if you guys like I don't know for me the highlight was when we did uh, Cold War by Janelle Monet oh, at the fun. Beat Kitchen you guys can find that on yeah. our website just insane like one of the best performances ever on this stage 
So, uh, with that said, let's let's do this song. Right. Here's your note. Your, uh, your so now I just there. can't fuck it up. You're gonna be gross. <laughs> Wait, sorry. Can I get that again? You may. Great. I wanna be a bottle blonde. I don't know why, but I feel conned. I wanna be an idol teen. I wish I hadn't been so clean. I wanna stay inside all day. I want the world to go away. I want blood, guts, and chocolate cake. I wanna be a
Uh, the rest of the show will be a letdown from Sasha. <laughs> this podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>